Good evening. If you have a Bible, our text is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. Can you guys hear me? Good. First Peter 1, 6 to 7. When I see you guys look up, I'll, I'll kind of know that you guys are there. All right. Still waiting. Okay. First Peter 1, 6 to 7. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you would help, we pray that you would help us see that in the hardships of life, you are still worthy to be followed. You are still worthy to be praised and that you help us keep going and you will help us finish our race. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm asking a few questions to you guys as we start. How many of you guys like orange juice? All right. I like orange juice too. I think maybe half of us here like orange juice. So to the half that likes orange juice, to the other half, hey, you could just listen, I guess. Um, how many of you like orange juice with no pulp? Couple. Some pulp? How many of you, like me, like a lot of pulp? All right, good. Another question, how many of you guys brush your teeth? All right, second, another question, how many of you guys have ever drank orange juice after you've brushed your teeth? Yes, a good amount of us. And I think a majority of us would agree that it is disgusting. <laughs> These are two things that do not go together. And if you like the taste of orange juice after you brush your teeth, you probably need to repent right now. Just kidding. Coincidentally, Crest Toothpaste, I'm more of a Colgate guy, but Crest Toothpaste made an orange flavored toothpaste. That sounds awful. But the crazy thing is, it was actually a popular flavor of toothpaste for the Crest fans. So how do two seemingly opposing things, orange juice and toothpaste, work to make orange flavored toothpaste? And if you're actually now interested in this flavor of toothpaste, I checked Amazon, Crest discontinued it, but there are actual makers of Crest, of orange flavored toothpaste, so you could actually, if you want to order it, you could try it. But how do these two seemingly opposing things somehow work in the orange flavored toothpaste? 
So we see that also in 1 Peter, where God uses two seemingly opposing ideas. Number one idea, rejoicing, which is deep spiritual joy in God, and suffering. Extreme anguish, trial, and hardship caused by the consequences of sin. So how did these two things have a relationship with one another where Peter tells us in our text to rejoice at, rejoice as we experience grief in various trials. And you see, this idea of rejoicing and suffering is not just Peter's. We see this theme in other parts of the Bible. In the book of James, when it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. And in the book of Acts, when Peter and other followers of Jesus were flogged, and they were told to not speak in the name of Jesus. Afterwards, they said, they, it says this in Acts 5.41, they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. So if rejoicing and suffering have a relationship to one another, what does Peter want us to see in our text today? Peter wants us to see this main idea in our passage, and this is this. The main idea is that rejoicing in suffering refines our faith and glorifies God. Rejoicing in suffering refines our faith and glorifies God. And we're going to see several reasons why we can rejoice in God as we suffer. And I have three reasons for that. We can rejoice in suffering. The first reason, rejoice in suffering because the trials are temporary. We'll see that in verse 6. The second reason, rejoice in suffering because it, it refines or perfects your faith in verse 7. And thirdly, rejoice in suffering because it glorifies God, also in verse 7. Okay, you, got that? you guys got all that for now? Okay, good. So as believers in Christ, we are to understand suffering as something that is not in itself joyful, Right? We shouldn't take rejoice and suffering to mean that there is somehow something to be enjoyed in the actual hardship. When you go through a hardship of disappointment, when you go through a trial of heartbreak, when you get news that your health is failing or a loved one has passed away. We live in a world right now where there are mass shootings, natural disasters, and we're living in a pandemic. There's nothing in those news by itself for you to find joy in. But Peter is telling us that despite the suffering, despite the trials, you are to rejoice. So how do we do that? Let's see our first point, right? Our first reason for us to rejoice, we'll go into now. Rejoice in suffering because the trials are temporary. That's a reason for us to rejoice. Rejoice in suffering because the trials are temporary. So let's read verse 6 again. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So what does Peter mean when he says that the grievous trials we endure are for a short time? Friends, you don't have to live long in this world to know that we are living in the broken world where injustice and hardship occur. We can also attest that many sufferings in this life, they can be short, but there are many examples of suffering for people in this life that seem long. You can be diagnosed with a disease early on in your life that you're going to have to endure with for the rest of your life. You can have a pain of a loved one's death that although the death can be sudden, 
that pain lasts a long time. The pain of broken relationships, the pain of infertility, the pain of depression are just some examples of pain that seem so long and that seem like it just keeps going and going. But as Christians, we can rejoice because we know that despite the suffering, the suffering will not last forever. The short time that Peter speaks of may not always seem short, but it may endure a lifetime, but compared to eternity, it is. Romans 8.18 says, Therefore I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. You see, church, a short time of suffering has an expiration date, and that's something we can rejoice in. And this short time of suffering, we see that our, we see the finality of this in Revelation 21, in the new heavens and new earth, when it says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Paul Tripp, in his book, Suffering, says this, that your suffering is not a sign that you've been forsaken. Rather, it's a sign that you live in a world that doesn't function the way God intended as it, and is in need of a complete renewal. And we, we will see that renewal one day in the new heavens and new earth. Church, this is something that we can rejoice in. The day is coming when all of this will become true. One thing about verse 6 that's interesting, though, is Peter's use of the word, if necessary. If you see it there. Is Peter saying that some Christians will suffer in this world and some will not? Or does Christ call all Christians to suffer? And we see a text like 2 Timothy 3.12 where it says, In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Church, the Christ, we're going to suffer. The Christ, Christ, as Christians, we will suffer. The if necessary in this text is making note to the fact that the trials will happen whether God will, if God wills for it to happen. The trials that Christians endure only happen if God wills for it to happen. We see this elsewhere in Scripture in the book of Acts, in Acts 3, where it says, For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will. A chapter later in Acts 4, it says this, So then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator. So we are suffering according to God's will. We understand that there is a will of command and a will of decree. God doesn't desire his people to suffer or approve of sin to happen just for its own sake. But he allows for these things to happen, the trials in your life, the suffering that you endure, to happen knowing that it will end up working for the glory of God and the good of his people. We don't always know God's reason for a trial, but we see that he always has a purpose in our suffering. And this leads us to our second point. Rejoice in suffering because it refines your faith. You see this in verse 7. It says, So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So verse 7 answers a question that, an important question that many of us have probably thought or asked. Why would God deem it necessary to allow suffering in our lives? 
Peter provides for us an answer in verse 7 when he says, So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire. Church, God's intention in the believer's suffering is for our troubles and trials to refine our faith. And he says that this refined faith, or I'll say this genuine faith, is more valuable than what? Than gold. So why does he use this imagery of gold refined in fire? Peter preached Malachi 3, Malachi 2 and 3 today, and in Malachi 3 he says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like launderer's bleach. He will be like a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. I think the best text to describe what's happening here is Isaiah 48.10, where Isaiah says this, Look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Peter uses this imagery to let us know that just like gold with fire, the trials of life burn away any impurities, and what is left, behind, what is left in the end is purified, genuine faith. We sang Refiner's Fire earlier today. Thank you, John, Jeremy, Passion, Lee, for leading us today. But I was thinking as we sang today, as in light of this passage, when we sing lyrics, purify my heart, let me be as gold, and as we sing the chorus where it says, we want to be holy, we're asking God to refine our heart in the fire of trials and suffering. You see, you see, church, gold was understood to be the most precious and lasting of all material possessions. It could even withstand fire. But, it was, but gold is also perishable at the, at the end of the day. It has an expiration date. But the faith produced through the fire, through the trials of life, the faith that continues to trust in God in the suffering at the end of the refinement period is more precious than the gold because it will last. This is why this faith is so important. If our faith is to endure, it must be purified, tested, and it must continue to the end of our lifelong pilgrimage in this world. Trials in the Christian life should not surprise us. We should expect it. God is using our suffering in these trials to strengthen our faith, our strength, strengthen our faith in him so that our faith wouldn't fail. God values his genuine faith more than gold, and he uses the suffering in this life to refine and purify our faith. And this is a reason, church, for us to rejoice. Sorry, I got to put my glasses back on. I'm going to take it off. Um, there's a glare here, so it's... I'm not trying to downplay the effect that suffering has in our lives. We're all going to go through the heart, our, our own set of hardships and trials. And some of these trials can be so burdensome that we may question whether we can endure. We can, or we, we may question whether we're going to make it, whether we're going to keep trusting God, and whether we can keep our faith in him. Friends, I want to encourage you that it is by these very sufferings and hardships that God is actually keeping your faith. 
Verses 6 to 7 says that the sufferings, the hardships of life, God is using those trials to refine and perfect your faith. But if you look a verse earlier in verse 5, it provides comfort for us in these trials. So look at 1 Peter 1 verse 5. It says that you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Friends here, be comforted by the fact that though you will experience suffering and hardships, God is guarding you by his power. God is guarding you by his power. Last week, PJ talked about this strength and power in Colossians 1 where he talked about being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is the kind of strength that is, is, is guarding you right now, an almighty power. And it says in verse 5, God is guarding us with his power for what? What's the purpose in verse 5? A salvation that is ready to be revealed to us. So God, God is guarding us by his power for salvation, he is, meaning he is keeping your salvation. He is securing it. It is secure. Nothing can take it away. His grip is so tight on your salvation that no one can pry it from his hands. But also in the text, it says, it says how he's guarding it. He's guarding your salvation through what? Through faith. Through faith. Through the very thing that he's refining and perfecting in us when we suffer, our faith. But here's the thing, friends. Devoted faith is valuable, yes? But it is only valuable if the object of the faith is worthy of that value. God is keeping us by his power through our faith in the object of our faith, which is Christ Christ and the work that he has done on the cross. You can have faith in anything. You can be devoted to anything. But if it's not Christ, it is not worthy faith. It's not worthy of that value. God is guarding us for our salvation through our faith in the Son and what the Son has done. So what has the Son done for us? See, we're able to rejoice in suffering in this life as Christians because we know that the suffering that we truly deserve, the eternal punishment, the eternal damnation that, we, that we've earned was ultimately paid for by somebody else. We can rejoice because the Son suffered for us. You see, Jesus, the only begotten Son, the perfect Son of God, came to this world to save sinners from their sin. He was crucified on the cross, not deserving any pain that he took, and he died. And he died, and on the cross, he died for the sins of man. On the third day, Jesus rose. He rose from the dead, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the gospel that we believe in. So if you're not, if you're not a Christian here today... What does that mean for you? It means that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and repent of your sins and trust in what Christ has done on the cross, God will save you from the suffering that you deserve. You see, we've been talking about reasons to rejoice in suffering. But if you have not put your faith in Jesus, there is no reason for you to rejoice. Apart from God, we have no reason to rejoice. BBC, this is how God is guarding our faith. 
through our faith in the Son. When we sing songs like He Will Hold Me Fast and say and hear lyrics of, when I fear that my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. So as we suffer, rejoice because God uses the suffering and trials of life to refine and perfect our faith, knowing that we trust in the God who guards it. Some application for us, church. We have a membership directory. We have a list of members who are unable to attend due to reasons of health, age, and other reasons, right? Church family, pray for these members, not, and not just pray for them, like, pray specifically that they would see the suffering that they endure as God's refining of their faith. And reach out to them. Encourage them. Walk alongside them. Another application. You guys are here at Sunday evening service, even though there's a Super Bowl going on, but you guys find it necessary and beneficial to your soul to be here. Continue to come to these Sunday evening services to share your burdens. God uses the church to strengthen and keep us. The hardships are coming and we're going to need each other. We're gonna need God and God is using the church to encourage and lift us up. So share your burdens here at Sunday evening in other, other times with the church family. And if you are someone that is receiving these, this news, if someone is sharing burdens with you, Help those, help those who are suffering to rejoice. Help them see that their suffering has purpose and meaning. Okay, so we've seen that we can rejoice in our sufferings because our suffering is temporary. And we can rejoice in our suffering because it refines our faith. Now lastly, we'll see that we can rejoice in our suffering because it glorifies God. You see the last part in verse 7. Rejoice in suffering because it results in glory. So it says this in the last part of verse 7. I'll read a whole verse. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in what? In praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, God's intention for our refined faith is that it would bring glory to him. A tested, genuine faith brings, brings glory to God because suffering has the power to expose whether what we have been trusting in, whether what we have been trusting in all along is worth the pain and suffering. As you go through pain, as you experience broken relationships, as we experience sickness, as we get older, whether it be cancer, dementia, any other diseases that will cause us harm, we can look back to the cross of Christ and think about a savior who suffered for you and give glory to God and say that it was worth it. My heart and my flesh may fail, the earth below give way, but with my eyes, but with my eyes, I see the Lord. Lifted high on that day, behold a lamb that was slain and I'll know that every tear was worth it all. You see, church, our faith through suffering, refined, tested, and genuine, would result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And even more good news that our faith would bring God glory, another good news for us is there is glory for us 
to be shared in as well. 1 Peter 5.4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So when you read a passage like 1 Peter 4, where it says, Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. You can, you can take heart in the fact that as you share in the sufferings of Christ, you will also share in the glory as well. So as we close... The sufferings of this world, although difficult, do not prevent us from rejoicing in God because we trust that God guards our faith through, through our faith in the Son. And he uses our hardships in this world to refine and strengthen our faith so that we would be perfected when Jesus is finally revealed to us at the end. So when the hardships come and you feel it is so difficult to rejoice, continue to put your faith in the Son. Last verse, I know I give you a lot of verses. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are able to rejoice in suffering, knowing that it is because of the joy that lay before Jesus, he endured the cross for us. So let's rejoice and give glory to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and suffered for us. Let's pray. Father, it can seem that the trials of this world are endless. It just keeps adding up. But let us rejoice in the fact that in our trials, we can be reminded knowing that it is temporary. There is purpose. You are refining our faith. And as we, as we go through these trials, you are keeping us and guarding us and guarding our faith. So we want to praise you, Lord, and give you all the glory. Help us as a church that when the trials come for our members, that we would rally around each other to encourage, to provide comfort, provide relief, Lord. Point, help us to point us back to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.